It's the third chapter, just two verses, 13 and 14. <laughs> Beloved, I do not consider that I have made my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straightening forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of well, it's another new year. And here we are. It's unusual, of course, for us to have a single service and to be gathered in the gym as opposed to having one service here and having one upstairs. But it makes sense on the new year. I suspect some of you actually saw the new year come in last time. No? Well, I tell you, I didn't. Uh, I might have dreamed about the new year, but I certainly didn't see it occur. 930 is about as long as I think it on a Saturday night. But as we gather on this first day of the new year, there's all sorts of questions that somehow human beings think a new year is supposed to bring to us. We, we worry about whether or not we've made resolutions we can keep. Me, I sort of gave up on resolutions a long time ago. I figure... God loves me, and somehow or another, God working in me, I might be able to accomplish some things. But resolutions don't work so well. Maybe they do for you. But the truth is, as we come to a start of the new year, there is always this, this urging within us to want to start fresh, to do something new, do something that's a little different, to feel like maybe. Maybe somehow this year can be better. How do we stand before God, look back on the past, acknowledge what it was, and then look into the future and hope we can do better? Isn't that really what we begin to do in a new year? Well, I think Paul in the text I read for you this morning really does give us some pointers on how we can do that Forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the open call of God in Christ Jesus. And really what Paul is saying is at the cusp of the new year, as things are beginning to evolve again in your life, what we have to find a way to do is to simply acknowledge and accept past has already been, and set our eyes, our minds, and our hearts on the future that is yet to be. And this morning, that's precisely what I want to do with you. And the first thing I would say to you is the first that we must do is somehow on a new year, we have to forget, we have to set aside the failures, the mistakes that we've made and take hold of the opportunities that life's going to give us. It's redundant, I know. But have you failed at anything this past year? I have. Lots of things. Really, that's a foolish question because all of us know that there's things we could have done better. But we don't like the word failure. Failure is one of the hardest words in the English language. We much prefer to say things like, not success. That sounds better, doesn't it? Mistakes. 
even the blunder sounds better. Error. We like error. Machines make errors. But what else do you call it but failure? Years ago, I served a congregation, had a man in who was retired, and he had been the head of human resources in a major American company. And he yelled at me every time I used the word failure because he said, we never say that in the corporate world. Because if you tell people they fail, they won't improve. So what we do is we couch it in words and urge them to do better. Well, of course we want to do better. But I have to ask, no matter what you call it, what do we say when we know we've not done our best? What is that? Well, I call it failure. That's my word for it. All of us have made those mistakes, those errors. Maybe it wasn't in big things. Maybe it was a bad habit you promised to give up. I don't know many people who still smoke, but maybe you're trying to give up smoking. Maybe that was one of them. Maybe, like some of the rest of us, you really have liked and lost a little weight in the past year. Well, it didn't happen, did it? Well, maybe it did for some of you. In spite of all the good things we accomplish, human beings fixate on the things they don't do well. I discovered long ago if you do staff evaluations and you bring in whoever you're evaluating and you tell them, here are 15 things you were fantastic at and here's one thing that you improved. What have they figured out? One. The one thing. That's why I hate evaluations. They're useless. Most of the corporate world is already discovered that. But Paul says what we have to do is to find a way to put aside the missteps, the errors, the failures, the mistakes, and let it go. Behind every successful person is a whole string of failures. I know y'all know this story. I'm sure I've used it sometime from the book. But there was a fellow who desperately wanted to be a writer. He worked for the publishing company McMillan. He was an editor. He kept trying, and the, his boss would read his work and say, you're no good. Nobody's ever going to read your stuff. Well, what do you think? He quit his job. And when he did, he found somebody else to publish his first book. Anybody know the name? James Mitchell. His stuff was no good. Oh, yeah. He published 25 novels after that. Sometimes you have to push through. Abraham Lincoln, maybe the greatest president we've ever had, failed again and again and again, and in 46, he considered himself to be the greatest failure in all the United States. And then he got to be elected president. John Wesley, the Methodist missionary, 
desperately wanted to be a missionary to American Indians. So he came to Georgia. He traveled around the South, and he was an abject failure at it. He just couldn't make it work. But he went home to England, and most historians say that Wesley, because of his impact with the lower class in Great Britain, saved Britain from a violent revolution such as France had. Failure? I don't think so. There are thousands of examples of people we think of as famous who spent a large chunk of their life when everybody else thought they were failures. Don't you think that's remarkable? It's a new year. I don't know what you failed to do last year, but you know what? You get another shot at it. You get another try. And who knows? God's help. Second thing I would say to you that we've got to let go is we've got to let go of the injuries and the injustices that have been done to us in the past year. And we have to take hold of opportunities to not just forgive, but to move forward with life. If we nurse old hurts, the only people we end up hurting is ourselves. A good friend of mine used to say, why let yourself be angry with somebody, especially if they don't know it? It's like letting them live rent-free in your head. Why would you do that? We all know about the unjust criticism that came out or the slight from somebody, or a little malicious piece of gossip, maybe, or an unkind word that was spoken by somebody that was supposed to be a friend. You can remember those old injuries. You can dwell on them. You can think about all the awful things that's been done to you, and who's getting hurt? You. You know, Jesus really wasn't giving his time to sky when he talked about how important it is that we learn to forgive and set aside what's happened. It's incredibly important to us, not just spiritually, but psychologically. Because if you keep letting it fester, it will eat you up. You want some examples? Think about the fellow in the Bible by the name of Joseph. The kid who kept harping at his brothers about how one day he was going to be so much better than they were that they got fed up with him and wanted to kill him. But the older one said, now let's throw him in a hole and we'll tell daddy that wild animal got him. And then a caravan came along and they said, well, shoot, we might as well make some money out of it. We'll sell it as a slave. Remember the story? And so they sell him and he goes off to Egypt and he has all these experiences. And then famine comes to the land. But by this time, Joseph has become the prime minister under the Pharaoh. And his brothers show up and there's this intrigue back and forth. And he finally reveals himself to the brothers 
and they're terrified as well they might be. Because off with their heads would have been easy. But what does he do? What he says is, you meant it for evil. But God, God meant it for good. And because I'm evil, I can say not only you, but all our family. Let it go. Turn loose of those old injuries. They're not doing you good. Let them go. Forgive. Set it aside. And enter the new year without all that baggage. There's another thing we need to let go of, and we do it every Sunday. But sometimes I think we just go through it by roads, and we don't think or we don't really need it. And it is we have to remember to let go of our own old sins. If we believe that God has forgiven us, then why do we keep holding on and beating ourselves up over something we did? Or maybe it's something we continue to do. I know, as to you, that pernicious nature of sin that just keeps leading us on and on and on. The little things we can't seem to let go of. But into a new year, we have to find a way to say, if God forgives me, if God is willing to send His Son to die for me, to forgive me, why in the world won't I forgive myself? It does us absolutely no good to keep living the sins that God's already set aside. Why would we want to do that? And so Paul's information and suggestion to us today is that we learn to set those things aside and believe that we truly can forgive. Again, it's an old story. You've heard it before. But I like it, and I, I'm preaching, so I get to tell that to you. It's a story of two brothers. Many, many years ago, in a far-off land, who were caught and convicted of stealing sheep. Now, this wasn't the Wild West, and they weren't hung for what they did. No, in some ways, maybe it's worse. They were caught, they were convicted, and they were branded on their foreheads. Yeah, I heard it was With a big ST sheep thief. Well, where does your life go from there? You can't very well hide. One of the brothers couldn't live with it. He drifted from place to place, he left home, and eventually simply dragged himself to death. But the second brother decided that he recognized what he had done. He was going to stay there and he was going to make up for what he had done. And so he began to be the kind of person every community wants and needs. 
He was the one that was always there when the neighbor had a problem. He was the one that was always there when the church doors opened. And gradually, as with most scars, the one on his forehead began to quit being so wicked looking and began to calm down into those scars we all bear. And finally, a stranger coming through town sees this old man with a wrinkled forehead and an ST branded on it. And he stops somebody and says, what is that? And the younger fellow says, well, you know, we've all kind of forgotten the story. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> but I think ST is an abbreviation for saving Abbreviation for saint, not cheap. If God is willing to forgive, if God is willing to set aside, good heavens, are we willing to forgive ourselves too? It's New Year's Day. It's a day for us to not just remember, but a day for us to think about our future with God. Now, somebody's going to say, well, you think it's easy? Good heavens, no, it's not easy. Nothing about this is easy. But we are children of the Most High. And we throw ourselves this year, as we do every year, on the mercy of the God who loves us and upholds us and sustains us, and we depend on Him to work through us as we go about letting go and taking hold of a future out there for us. A year from now, we'll do it all over again. But for now, the year is fresh and new and it's a brand new start. Live in it. Revel in it. Let God's purpose find itself in your life throughout all the days of 2012. Can you imagine? 2012. In the name of the Father and the Son.